McLaughlin spent lockdown doing 5Ks, 10Ks and even a marathon. But last month he decided it was his football career that had run its course. After more than 18 years as a player, he felt it was time to hang up his boots to focus on being an agent. We hear how that's been going, and the way his running inspired others to get their trainers on too. Scott tells us about best mate Robert Snodgrass, and how he kept him on the straight and narrow by once having him as a lodger. We'll hear about the pranks the pair used to get up to, and why he's never met anyone quite as mentally strong as Snoddy. The Scots 2004 League Cup win with Livingston, which came shortly after the club's administration. And why playing in the old second division with Morton was tougher than the Premiership. We'll find out why he loved Somerset Park so much and the day he nearly became a Peterhead legend, despite staying at the club for just a few months. Plus, there's the story behind the Trilby hat that goes on every holiday with him. It's all here on Down the Divisions. Thanks for joining us for another 60 minutes or so looking at the lower leagues. Paul, it seems like every week we seem to be having a COVID update. Last week there was, I guess, kind of careful optimism after the day one fixtures were announced. But now the day fans return to games looks further away than it was this time last week well is it I don't know Gareth because obviously we had our first friendly last Saturday everything was operated really well uh, then this week we have the announcement I listened to Nicola Sturgeon this afternoon no mention of outdoor sports or indoor sports that's not to say it's not coming and I've just listened to Boris Johnson who's just told us uh, a stitch in time saves nine. I don't even know what that means. So, <laughs> do you know what? I, I really, I, I don't know. Uh, we trained last night. The My little boy's training tomorrow. We've never had anything back saying anything's on. We play Mary Hill on Saturday. So I'm no further forward. Listen, when you listen to some of the stuff that's come out this week about Possibly cases are doubling every seven days and there's a bit of scaremongering and stuff like that, then there's no chance football's going back, is there? If, if that's really the case, uh, also we're shutting pubs uh, at 10 o'clock at night. If I go to the pub at 8 o'clock and I've got COVID, surely I'm still, I've still got it, I've still got it at 12 o'clock. I think the reasoning behind that is if we leave the pub, pub at 10 o'clock, then we're not going to look for that after party. But if I leave the pub at 10 o'clock, I'm sure I'll be looking for the after party then. Yeah. <laughs> it's too early to go up the road. <laughs> I joke and I jest when I say that. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of mixed messages. Seeing somebody else on social media today saying, I go around and see my wee dad after work for a cup of tea in a jammy dodger. We can't do that anymore. So we're just going to meet in the pub for a pint. It's all so many mixed messages, isn't it? And, I think 26 weeks of doing this now, Gareth, and we're certainly no clearer. Well, I'm certainly no clearer from day one. So let's see what this week brings. That's the thing. A week's a long time in the coronavirus, isn't it? Uh, well, we want you, the listener, to get involved too. You can email us with your thoughts and comments at downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. My name's Christian and I'm the Cohen and Rangers manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. 
former Morton, Clyde, Airdrie and Air midfielder Scott McLaughlin is our guest this week. Thanks for joining us, Scott. No problem. Pleasure, guys. We'll, uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. The way we've been going the last few weeks, Paul, I think stadiums will be packed out with fans sooner than we get one of these right. Do you know, we're murder, aren't we? Um, aren't we? Honestly. When was the last time someone got one right? We've got to change the rules. I can't even think of questions to come up with now. <laughs> I think I've read the internet. <laughs> I was going to say we're running out of years. <laughs> Uh, well, I've got the clues this week, so we'll bring you on this, in on this one as well, Scott. Uh, so I'm looking for the year when Berwick Rangers won the third division. Come on, shit, man. Phil O'Donnell tragically passed away playing for Motherwell. Oh. Fabio Capello was appointed England manager. And South Africa beat England in the final of the Rugby World Cup. Scott, don't just look at me like that. <laughs> 2007, I think. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the story. I was at the game when Phil passed away and I was doing agency work at the time and we brought a, a Dave Ledbetter, the scout up from Middlesbrough with me and I left early and I actually followed, tailed the ambulance up and I think, I think it was 2000, no, it was maybe later, 2008. 2009, 2000. I'm going to go 2008, I think. We'll find out the answer at the end of the show. My name is Brown Ferguson, manager of Linlithgow Rose, and you are listening to Down the Divisions. Scott McLaughlin is our guest this week. Uh, well, first of all, Scott, it's been quite a big summer, I suppose, for you. Uh, you announced your retirement in August. How how's it going? Are you missing missing the game? Are you missing playing now the season's starting again? No, no, not really, Gareth. To be honest, I think that's why I made the decision. I didn't really miss it. See, we were over lockdown and all that. I didn't, I didn't really miss it, and I thought now is the time to concentrate on other things. I mean, I did have offers to go and play, and I felt it'd probably be unfair. See, the way the way football is, the new me taking a contract, and my heart's maybe not in it, and it's maybe put a younger guy at the, at the game maybe because they maybe not get a, a contract and I've took one uh, when I'm not really sure so I just felt fair was fair the way I was feeling that I'd step aside and, and let the young guys get on with And that's despite I mean we'll come on to what you've been doing during lockdown but I saw some messages on social media saying you could probably with your fitness and the way you could get about the park you could probably play for maybe another five years there was one comment I saw I mean you, you you can't you can't have been well have you been ever been fitter no I don't think I've actually been as fit as I've, I've ever I mean I've always kept myself in, in good nick but right now I don't think I've ever been in better shape but my plan was always actually to to play till I was 40 but right. it's not what to that with, with how busy I've I've been with my other stuff I was just about to touch on that obviously have you had plans you know, maybe over the last few years, and you've obviously set a goal at 40, but have you ever felt that maybe you're not enjoying it as much, or are you still, are you still, in, lo- still in love with the game now as, as you were back in when you first started? Well, I've, I've always I've always loved the game, and that was no different even just last season. I just love I love being about the dressing room, love being about the players, love love playing and training, and uh, it's not like a lost love for the game. I just kind of... I've got other commitments that I can't really, I can't really commit to, to training and playing a game. Like I said, 
and there's young boys there who it's going to be really difficult for them to get contracts. So, with me stepping aside, it hopefully hopefully it saves some some guys their jobs basically to try and stay in the game. You, you mentioned other commitments. I know, kind of going into lockdown, you had your personal training. Is it your own business or are you basically? Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's my own business, I. And, and so I know you had that. So maybe tell us a bit more about that. And also, I mean, you seem to be doing kind of quite well with the, with the agency work as well. Tell us a bit about that as well. I will. I've been a I've been a, a PT now in Paisley for about three years. My own business, and that's that's run quite quite well. Uh, I'm running alongside my football, obviously. But then I get the chance to work with sports manager and international SMI. Uh, to kind of help run Scotland for to pick up good young Scottish talent that I maybe think could play down south. So that's really took off. And I've, before lockdown, I mean, I was going to like maybe seven, eight games a week, just going to as many games as I can just to just to get to know the players and network and things like that. So I've really enjoyed it. And I've I've actually, I, I did, I've, I've been doing quite well with picking up some good, good young talent. I was obviously involved in that game for for many years myself and it's it's a, it's a hard living as well isn't it but how did you manage to manage to get into it well it was actually through uh, the, i know the two owners of the company uh lee matthews and marka marka burn we look after snoddy who snoddy's one of my best pals uh so they i knew they were looking for somebody but it wasn't just an old pals actually i kind of know the game up here and that's how i that's how we get it. As you said, it is a, it's a hard job. Everybody just thinks that you do the deal and that's it, but it's not like that. You, have, you need to put the hours in, don't you? That's it. And then the other thing that people don't see about it is there's so many uh, different strands to the agency where you can go and nurture boys from a young age, babysit them all the way through for nothing at the end of it, nothing being they go and, and, and work with somebody else. So you can go and you know, get involved in a deal somewhere else. It's uh, it's not a very straightforward industry. But something us and I, I enjoyed my time doing it. Do you have many good good players up here in Scotland? I I've got I've got some good good young players. I've got uh, Callum Moore at Dundee, who's a, uh, a talented player. I've got young Dean McMaster, who's at St Milne. He's in the Scotland under 17 setup, and I've also got a uh, young Calvin Miller, who's just away from Celtic. Uh, so. I think I would have felt guilty if I never got these guys in when I did. I think I'm I'm thankful that I did so much hard work, but just before lockdown, to kind of go and network and and show people what it was all about. Whereas if I didn't do that and I was still, you know, just taking money just for the sake, of it, I would feel really guilty. I know having no having done it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is Leon Constantine involved with, with the agency down south? Big Leon. Leon. Yeah, ah, Leon. Lad. Brilliant guy, Big Leon. Uh, really, really good. Guy. I mean. It's, it's a, it's a it's a really close knit uh, group we've got. It's all ex ex pros as well, so we all kind of chip in to help each other, and uh, that support network's been massive, especially over lockdown when you can't actually get to games and you need to just kind of bounce ideas off each other and things like that. So, what's your kind of tact with it? Is it are you out there looking for kind of more guys for for the future? Are you, are you trying to get kind of more established players in in the, in the stable? No, I'm I'm trying to get a uh, Young young talent involved guys who think we can develop and and move down move down south and and have a career down there. Is is that also if you've been trying to play this season and manage those boys? Do you think it would have been a diluted service 
that you'd have been providing as well a little bit because you couldn't put all your all your focus on on their career because you'd have been you know half you know making sure you were doing it right I think so Gareth I think so I think I mean one thing I never do I don't do half measures I'm all in or all out so I felt it was only right that I that I bowed at the game and give my, my my focus focus to the to the players I'm looking after or players I want to be looking after I mean if you if I'm standing uh, training at Stenny on a Tuesday night when there's a game going on elsewhere I think I could have been going and looking at players I just didn't want to have that regret of thinking oh, I shouldn't really be here the night I should be going away and watching somebody so I felt the time was just right Do you think as well the fact that all of you are ex-pros you know you, you can provide that side of the, the business if you like I know there's, there'll, be, there'll be agents out there whose strengths will be in obviously in, in different areas to you guys but is that your kind of selling point if you like that you can you can talk to them having been in the in the game and, and knowing the the good and the bad definitely I, mean, I say it to every player I've, I've spoke to there'll be nothing that a player does that I've not done myself I mean I've played for 20 years nearly 700 games so I've seen quite a lot and I was actually just discussing with Snoddy the other night and Snoddy was saying he was like Scott he says you've there's, there's nothing you've not you've not seen in, in football so that kind of knowledge is, is invaluable and when you were playing Scott did you ever have an agent yourself or rely on an agent did you kind of do all your deals yourself I had an agent when I was younger uh, I had quite a lot of, quite a lot of teams after me and, and things like that so I kind of I kind of felt I needed the agent at the time, but as I got older, I kind of done the deals myself. I just felt um, when I when I got when I got older, I knew everybody up here and was comfortable going speaking. It's different when you're younger; you're not really that confident to go and and maybe maybe get what you think you're worth. You mentioned you nearly played seven hundred games. I was six hundred and seventy-nine, twenty-one shot. Was there any part of you that thought just get those twenty-one in? I there is because you might have finished a nice round number at 700 but if it wasn't it would be 679 will do I suppose <laughs> but talking about achievements I mean I touched on it earlier your kind of lockdown challenges did that you know for the for, for listeners who don't know about what you've been doing I mean running has become a big part of your life and also setting challenges for other footballers and mental health and everything associated with it became quite yeah. a big thing during lockdown didn't it and that was, and see, to be honest, Gareth, that just happened totally by accident. I just, I ran, I'd always been a good runner. I was near getting away. I've, I've no came for like people, near loads of people who can't run at all and couldn't run the length of So I was always a decent runner. I would train with the Harriers and that before I went back for pre-season training. I mean, I wasn't a, I wasn't a great runner because I didn't really, you don't really get, see like now you get instant feedback on your watch or yeah. your phone or whatever. So I said, I ran a 5K and I thought, trying under 20 and I'd, I'd never timed I'd run 10k's before and I knew I'd get sub 40 so I thought oh, I'll run a 5k and I managed to get sub 20 yeah, I think it was like 19 and a half or something like that uh, and I just put I just put it out there and then the response I got for that was just incredible so then I just, I just tried to beat it every time and then I managed to get it down to 1727 or something that was my fastest 5k uh, and I was timing my, my 10k's and that as well and loads of people get involved. I ran a marathon for Chris Boy's charity. Uh, I think I've run three marathons now, plus I've run a 50k. So I've just get right into it. I've just, but again, as I said, I'm just all in or all out. And I'm not a guy that, I mean, you know me a long time, but I'm the one that's just going to sit about and just be bored. I'll always find something to do. I'm quite an excitable character. So 
I had to find something to do during lockdown. And how many miles are you putting in a, in a week now? Or how many kilometres are you still out uh, in the streets? I, I think my my average kilometre walking and running a week is about 120 kilometres. <laughs> mm, I know. <laughs> That's unbelievable. There was your kind of challenges that you set yourself, but the whole... I mean, there was what was it, the Scotty 1K challenge? Yeah, yeah. And then the 5Ks kind of took off as well. Yeah. That was all a bit kind of, I mean, I suppose it was what lockdown did to people as well, wasn't it? People were yeah. looking for things to to fill their time with, but it did really kind of, you did get a following through that, didn't you? And, and I, I did, I did, mate. I mean, see, the, the Scotty 1K challenge all came about is because I was posting the 5Ks and 10Ks and things like that, and people were messaging me saying, I really wish I could run. I really, oh, I would love to be able to run. And I was messaging back saying, you can, you, you can run. So that's why I just totally simplified it. And I was like, walk it, run it, mix a walk and jog, whatever you want. Just do a kilometre and see what, can, see what you can do. So then that really, really took off. And, and people were people were loving it. And see people who maybe planned to just do the 1K, they ended up just kind of went, oh, well, I, I know I can do it. So they took off. And then I've got loads of, I've got people who'd worked up to, to doing a half marathon and things like that so for doing absolutely nothing so it was just like I said mental health was really at the at the, at the, at the cusp of it because many people had messaged me saying they were really well struggling and and they were finding like running or even walking was, was a way out for them So this was off the back of just your own just going on a Facebook or social media with your watch times you've put that up and then people starting to interact and then it's just kind of created this network is that is that how it worked that's exactly how it worked i mean i mean uh we're in a group chat with like snoddy barry bannon stephen fletcher big Chalamo grew gordon greer and they were all right into it as well and they were encouraging guys in their teams and things like that so it really really did take off but i mean you got guys who are famous but what really got the buzz for me was people just random people i didn't even know taking the time out to message me and say, listen, you've inspired me to go and do that. And in turn, it reversed. They actually inspired me when I was going doing longer runs that I, that I would have find, found difficult. What was uh, the marathon like? Had you ran one before? <laughs> the longest I'd ever ran was 10K before I did a marathon. <laughs> How tough so, was it? Oh, that was mental. Like the, the last 7K of the marathon was just like, talk about hitting that brick wall I hit it yeah. massively and it was like my legs were just taking me there I don't, I don't know how I was getting there but my legs were just in autopilot just kind of it was like whatever signal your brain tells your legs to move that just stopped working so it was just just in case I just slogging it out and, and getting it done but I managed to get quite a good time I managed to get it in three years and 19 minutes but I wasn't really planning on a time I just wanted to go and go and do the distance Taking it back to the football, I take it every year back for pre-season you were front of the front of the pack running. I was always right up the front eye, but I think I was more of my competitive spirit of it all. I just thought, well, no matter what age I was, I was like, right, I'm going to be the fastest. If there was an 18 year old who was fat and I was 34, 35, I was like, well, you'll need to be fit to get by me. That was just my mentality. And were you like that as a young 18 year old as well when you were at Hamilton? I absolutely. That's what it was always like. Even at, even at Hamilton, I was always just trying to trying to prove it was fit. I mean, if especially when you're young in the game, that's that's the thing you need to be. You need to be really fit, and you need to show you have that edge. See before your ability comes in, you say, "Well, I'm fit and I'm ready," and your, your ability will take care of itself. 
Just for the marathon, where, where did you do the marathon? Around Paisley, Glasgow? I ran from Paisley to Ibrox, Ibrox to Hamden, Hamden to Celtic Park, Celtic Park back to uh, St Mullen Park and then finished at my house. All right. Did you sleep well that night? I, I didn't have. I mean, I, I remember I went in, I went into the bath and just ran cold water and I just jumped in with all my clothes on. I was just like, <laughs> and my missus was trying to talk to me. I was like, just... <laughs> Just leave me. Don't talk. Just leave me alone. She was like, I was like, just leave me alone. So she left me alone for about half an hour and then came back in. She was like, oh, you want some tea? You want this? I was like, I just, just, just leave it there and just let me just, let me just take all this in. Because some people, when they do marathons, you know, it takes them a while to get back into running after having done the marathon, doesn't it? Did you have any, you know, I take it you must have taken time off. No. See, right. three days later, I ran a, I ran a 5k and I ran in like I ran sub 19 anyway but my mentality again was just well nothing's going to be as bad as that marathon so it's only a wee 5k so I just opened the legs up and went but I'd planned right I'll just get the legs moving again and then see by the time I started running I was like oh no I feel alright I just went for it well uh, we'll come on to your playing career shortly and looking back at at those days but just to, just to finish off this this section we've talked about the agency work is, is is that now where you see your future? You know the the, the football career has been been finished now. I presume your PT or hopefully or you know you 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 kind of continue with that. But is is agency work y- your future now? If you like, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I said I've really enjoyed this. I mean, it is hard work, but uh, I wouldn't expect it anything else. I wouldn't expect it to be easy easy going. So I said I've I've really enjoyed it, and I think that is my future. I want to try and try and develop as an agent and just try and get as much help as I can through guys like uh, guys like Lee and Big Leon that you were talking about or the or the ex pros and just kinda kinda work work with them and, and do what I can to to get as many good players on board as possible and, and help them. That's that's the major thing is helping the players and give them good advice. And the competition tough for it up in Scotland now is it still as competitive? I've I've been out it now for a long time, but it's certainly uh, Everyone at one time was fighting over, over the. Was that, I always felt there was that certain type of player at the time when I was doing it in, in Scotland, that kind of quarter million pound player that would leave, you know, for Dundee and go to MK Dons or go go down south, and everybody was jostling for position to try and get that player on board. And is it still quite competitive in Scotland? I, it is really competitive, but I said I. It's up to the player what what they want what they want to do. I just I, I'm just whenever I meet players, I'm, I'm honest and open with them and, and tell them I'm not going to give them any any rubbish. I'm not going to bullshit them. I'm going to I'm going to give them it straight. And I, from my point of view, that's all I ever wanted from an agent is somebody to be straight and 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 and, and be honest and open with. Me. And if I, that's that's all I'll, I'll ever be with my players. And there's a huge attraction, isn't there? When you say mention guys like Snoddy and that. And that kind of stable. There's a lot of people that uh, you can turn to, or there's a, there's a huge support network there, yep. isn't there? That uh, that you can certainly sell it to a player. Aye, I mean we've got we've got some really really good players. Obviously, you've got Snoddy. I'm just talking about Scottish players. Snoddy, Charlie, McGrew, Big Cal Naismith, Barry Bannon, guys like that. Really good, really good Scottish players that 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 have done well in the game. I'm David Gormley, manager of Rossville Football Club, and you're listening to Down the Divisions.
Armadale Thistle have signed local lad Fraser Keast. He had lots of interest from other sides, but has chosen his hometown club for the coming season. Michael Garrity has joined St. Caddick's on loan from Morton. Renfrew have brought in goalkeeper Graham Milne. Graham was previously with Tower Hearts 21s and will battle it out for the number one spot. And Martin Shields' hard work at Garth Cairn has paid off after landing a move to Stenhouse Muir. I'm Adam Hopes, co-manager of Drumchapel United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Which brings us to Inside the Mind. Each week we'll put our guests on the spot to look deep into their psyche and discover some hidden stories. Right, Scott, who was your idol as a boy? I, my idol was Paul McStay, growing up. I just felt he was top, top player and he was everything you wanted to be in a midfielder. Used to go and watch him? Aye, aye, watched him. My dad used to used to take me, we used to stand in the old jungle at Celtic Park. Uh, I said Paul McStay was my, my hero. Ever, ever get to meet him? Uh, no, I think the closest I got to him is uh, we were in the same toilet or something like that at Parkhead one day. <laughs> <laughs> you bottled it, did you? I was just like totally in awe of the guy. <laughs> I didn't think it was the best place to stroll up to him in the toilet, I mean. <laughs> uh, who's your toughest opponent? Uh, I was actually thinking about that. I mean, played against a lot of good players, I'd say probably directly. Played against big, played against big Sutton when he was in midfield. He was a really, really tough player. But I'd probably say Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon was was really, really tough on his game. He just dictated the play and could could make a fool you really just passing about you. I was going to say you must have had you must have been up against him. Yeah, I was like yeah. directly up against Lennon. I said very underrated Lennon. I mean, players who played against him knew how good he was. But I think because he was. He was a wee nasty and he was a wee moaner. Like, he didn't really get the credit that he deserved, it, but he was a top, top player. What's the favourite football top you've worn and why? Uh, okay, that was a tough one. I mean, I liked all, the, I liked all the my United strips, but the one that holds the biggest memory is my Livingston top when we won the win the cup final. Yeah. I think I think that's the only top I've, I, I've still got. I've gave all the rest of my and I'm actually giving it my mate for his pub. <laughs> 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 we'll come back to that game in a minute. Uh, who's the best player you've played with? Uh, again, it's a tough. I played with a lot. Of, I played with a lot of good players. Uh, uh, Livingston guys like Fernandez, Lee Mako, Burton and Brian, Stuart Lovell. But for me, the best player that I I played with it's maybe a stream, maybe no, but because a lot of people. But my best player I played with was Mark Roberts. Yeah. Uh, at Air, I just. We just did that connection when I was a midfielder and he was a perfect foil for me because I always wanted a striker to take into feet. He was so clever at wee dummies and things like that. And we just kinda had this kind of telepathic understanding, kinda knew where each other we, we knew where each other were. And we used to fight like cat and dog right enough, like if he didn't lay the ball off to me or I didn't find him at his feet, the two were always on each other. But no, nah, I think Marco was definitely my favourite player to, to play beside a striker. He was just ideal. Him and Fernandez were very similar, actually. But Marco should have played. Marco will tell you himself. Marco should have played higher for a lot longer. He was daft as a brush. He was off his head. Uh, but a great, great player. A snoddy and Matty Flynn gutted. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> I think Snoddy's obviously the best player that's been on and on, on done. What he's done has been incredible, but I think 
I didn't actually get the best of Snoddy. Later on, people have got the best of Snoddy, like yeah. years years later. Uh, but you could always see the, the talent. Uh, and Matty, Matty was just all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love Matty, but what a guy. What's uh, what's the best practical joke you've seen? I mean, you, you, I'm, I'm assuming this will involve Snoddy for, for certain. Aye, aye, oh aye. I remember, um, I remember there was a there was a young boy at um, Airdrie, a boy called Chris Chris McMenon, right? So obviously I was talking to Snoddy, so I says. Uh, he'd, he'd been on loan at, at Berwick Rangers, right? And we'd already stitched him up earlier on the season. We told him that uh, we had to come to the, do one of the draws at it was the Scottish Cup or something like that. And Anne-Marie Ballantyne he said, take um, Chris McMenon with me, just a young boy and that, he'll love it. I was like, no bother. So I texted him, I said, by the way, um, you know it's suit today. This is like after training. And he turned up with the suit and that, blah, blah, blah. So he was known as the suit, right? <laughs> Uh, but Snoddy, I phoned Snoddy one time. I said, "By the way, there's a wee boy. He's doing well at Berwick. Uh, he scored a couple of goals." I says, "By the way, I think we could kid him on that he's won the Player of the Month." And it was like I am brewing me. So we said, "So I got Snoddy to phone him up." And Snoddy phoned him up and says, uh, "You've won the Player of the Month. Obviously, you know you win the year supply. I am brew." He's like, "You're joking me." It's like that's amazing. I was like, I just come up to the front desk at Hamden, you come in and get your uh, get your get your trophy and ask for your iron brew, they'll give you a wee voucher and that but that'll be you. By the way, it turned out he actually did win the player of the month, so it couldn't have worked out any better. So he had to, so he had to go to Hamden, right? So he got his um he got his award and we phoned him up once he got his award and he was like, Chris, 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 you forgot to get your iron brew voucher and all that's here. He's like, Oh, you're joking, I'm away, I'm away. Uh He's like, I can't get back. So he's like, I've not got my car. And Snoddy says, why don't you just go, why don't you just get a bike and you can bike up and get your iron brew and that? <laughs> he's like, right. So he says, um, he's like, eh, eh, well, I think that's the only thing. And Snoddy was just about to, he was just about to leave and Snoddy says to him, don't you be pulling skids about Hamden, pal. <laughs> <laughs> so we poor Chris McMenamin, and he'd been stitched up with his suit. He was on a high that he was when he'd won the player a month and he's up asking some random guy at Hamden for a year's supply I brewed him up. What are you talking about? Well, so he actually came back. <laughs> he came back and went and asked about the iron brew. <laughs> <laughs> but there was so many we mean Snoddy, mean Snoddy, I mean a boy we played with Scott Finlay, I mean, we phoned him up and says uh, we were organising P Diddy to sing at his wedding and things like that and just some outrageous things well, just like how is this guy taking in but we phoned him about 10 times a day every single time we answered and we came up with something like do you want to meet Mike Tyson at a fight night and Perth races and things like that ah, uh, uh, alright uh, says, do you want to meet Mike Tyson and Frank Bruno and he's like ah, I would like to meet Mike, Mike Tyson and Snoddy says to him alright and I'll just tell Frank to stay in the house <laughs> 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 oh brilliant man uh, Snoddy was good with the impressions as well wasn't he on the, on the oh show? unreal man we used to sit Snoddy stayed with me for three months right and we had a spare spare room it's now my wee boys room and uh, me and Snoddy used to sit in there for hours just pranking everybody like see we always say if we kept the recordings or that it would be worth fortunes now for the amount of people I mean we used to stitch up everybody I remember we phoned up Colin Cram 
told Colin, Colin Cram, uh, I think he was at uh, Still in Albert at the time, he phoned Crammy up and was like, Crammy, uh, just letting you know what's the manager for Bells Hill here, we'll meet you at Hilton, I've got five grand, or ten grand, we'll get it in a wee brown envelope, we'll, we'll come, we'll sort of like, that's so big, get big cams, oh brilliant, I'm going to sign the name, and then, we'll meet you at Hilton Car Park, pulled up in a Hilton car park and we were sitting there like, alright Crammy boy, how's it going my man, you here to pick up your five grand eh? <laughs> he's like, you use me you bastards man, I can't believe that, he was raging. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Hi, Stephen Aitken, East Coast Bayern Manager, you listen to Down in Divisions. We've talked about what, what, what the future holds, but we'll uh, we'll now talk about look back over your career and um, you've, you've played for for plenty of clubs uh, over over your career, achieved a lot. Obviously, um, as, as time went on, you obviously signed at Hamilton, as Paul mentioned earlier, um, and then quickly headed off to Livingston. Yep, uh, I mean that was that was an unbelievable move for me. I think Livingston was the third best team in Scotland, so it was a it was a part for certain Rangers, obviously, but. At that time, with the way Livingston were going, paying good money with good Spanish players, uh, I think that was a brilliant club to be at. I'm really excited to play in the Premier League. Before you kind of jumped on, Livingston, were you there were you at Hamilton as a youth? Were you do the apprentice thing all the way through? Aye, aye, aye. I, was there. I was there as a YT at, at Hamilton, which gave me an unbelievable grounding. I managed to get to the, go and play in the first team at a young age. and I always remember my, my debut, we played Clyde Bank. We beat them 2-0 and uh, I mean I was never a big time Charlie that anyway but in the Monday morning I was in cleaning the stand was, wasn't allowed to train with the first team it was just a case alright you need to go and clean the stand again that I played in but that didn't bother me one bit because I knew exactly what they were, what they were trying to do just keep you level headed no get above your station and again the following they were played, obviously trained on the Tuesday and then I played on the following Saturday so things like that it's just what grounds you and with a great bunch of bunch of boys so how did the big move to Livingston come then because was it how many appearances did you ever have it was, a, it was only a handful wasn't it I only had a few appearances but um, I'd, I'd, I'd quite, a, quite a bit of interest at the time and the reason I actually picked Livingston was because of Tony Fitzpatrick Tony Fitzpatrick yeah. was at, at the club and I knew Tony uh, he, he obviously had strong links at St Mern and I lived in Paisley and I got to know Tony and I, went, I attended college just when I left school and Tony ran like a college course in Paisley and that's how I got to know Tony and uh, I said he was he was the main main attraction for me going to Livingston obviously it was a Premier League team but Tony was the one who phoned and convinced me to, to come And what a time to be at Livingston as you say they, they were the third best team in Scotland at the time brought in lots of players didn't they you know it must have been a, a great a great time to be a part of that club it was it was incredible times. I mean, you look you look. I mean, obviously, let me start back in the Premier Premier League now. But uh, try to tell people the the players we had and, and like said finishing third, playing in Europe, and obviously we won the won the cup. I mean, I don't I don't I don't think a Livingston team will ever do that again. Tell our listeners, though, Scott, about the players. I was just about to interrupt you there because some signings they made, wasn't it? I yeah. mean, when I went there, we had guys like uh, Broto. Uh, David Fernandez, Francisco Quino, I don't know if you remember him, Gary, yeah, if you might yeah. remember him, but, but top midfielder, uh, and we'd roll his up front, his, his wee brother Mauro, 
uh, his big brother came for Real Madrid. Uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable talent. Great players like Lee Mako, Stuart Lovell, Jamie McAllister. Jamie McAllister was another one. David McNamee, Burton O'Brien. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, it was just it was just top top players all the time. Guys like Alan Main, when he, who came came to the club after Harvey went to Celtic. Uh, I said it was just it was just some unbelievable players we, we played with. Again, Big Marvin was another man. I mean, Big Marv. I ended up playing with Marv later on at Clyde. And he was still the same one. What a character! He did it for them. He could kick it and all. <laughs> what was the what was the connection with those foreign players? Was it because some of them some of them at Airdrie? I remember like that's right. Stevie Archibald bring them Steve, over. Stevie Archibald he brought he brought them he brought them all over. I uh, so and then they ended up a big load of them were at Livingston. We'd uh, I think we were well, we Dave and Broto were at um, were at Airdrie and they they signed we we Livingston. But we'd we'd, we'd loads of, loads of Spanish boys. There and but they mixed really really well, uh, and everybody got everybody got on great. Everybody spoke English and that. I mean the Spanish would go and speak in their wee groups, but it wasn't as if we were telling them, oh no, no you need to speak because they would they would still speak English and it was just maybe somebody maybe not understand what he's saying. They would have a wee word in Spanish. It wasn't like that. What what was it uh, like with the the two managers? What you know, Leishman and Davy Hay? It was chalk and cheese to be honest, yeah, Leash was just a total motivator and Hunter Mile and Owen, Davey was so laid back and really, Davey I always felt was really ahead of his time just we see now Davey would be a top top manager just with how laid back he was and his outlook on, on the game and we tweaks you could you could see like you could never really read Davey but he'd make a wee tweak in a game and and you would just after the game like I would never have thought of that, but David could just see the game. He would sit up. He wouldn't sit. He wouldn't be in the dugout. I tell you, a lot of times he would go up to the stand and watch the game from high up just to to get that picture. So would David be the one that was doing most of the coaching on a day-to-day yeah. basis? Oh, I definitely. David, like David, was a, a top top coach, and you'd read we Robbo there as well. John Robertson, uh, Alan Preston was there at the time. Uh, but Leash, like I said, Leash, Leash was good. Like what he did, he was a real motivator and. Good laugh and things like that. He would really, really, he, even if you were nervous when Leash was about, he would always just have you cracking up and he would just felt really relaxed. Whereas Davey was more tactical and his training was excellent and uh, he put a lot of trust in the players as well. I suppose Big, Big Leishman brought a lot of character to the club, didn't he? He brought a lot of, if I remember rightly, a lot of publicity to the club. He was always out up the shopping centre handing out tickets or in the schools and uh, it was always cameras at Livingston at the time just trying to promote the club. They really took what was Meadowbank Thistle, I suppose, with it and just created this brand new brand new team. Well, do you know what? See, my, my dad always tells tells the story that uh, he was coming into a game one time. Uh, my dad was, this would be before I was there, and my dad was like a photographer. My dad was uh, his best mate, so I don't know if you remember Jim Sherry. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. With Jim, my dad, he was him and my dad were best mates. He was my dad's apprentice at Old Royce, so he he'd got my dad a job as the photographer. And my dad said he drove in and Leash was directing the traffic in the car park. And my dad, my dad didn't have a my dad didn't have a pass, and he wasn't getting parked. And uh, Leash was like, "Oh, John, yeah, here you go. Here's my here's my pass." 
and my dad had like, the number one pass for, for <laughs> Almond Vale today because Leash was out directing the traffic, telling people where to park and things like that. Just that was that was Leash, but it was just he was really off the cuff and a real character. It was a big big Leash. And what kind of crowds would Livingston be getting at their home games then? Would they be? Do you know what? We used to be getting good. Aye, we could like see that now. I mean, they would love that then. And you would nah. fill out, see at Celtic Rangers, they would go and we'd, you'd have a full stadium there. But uh, but even like teams like Dun United and things, you'd still you'd get like 7,000 maybe there. Um, things like that. It was, it was, it was, there was a buzz about the place. And, yeah, I think because they came up through the division quite ran, uh, rapid, they were really buzzing about like going to watch a Premier League team in, in the area. Did you quickly become friends with with Snoddy? I Snoddy, well, Snoddy was Snoddy was a few years younger than me, so I think it was maybe my second or third year that Snoddy came, and uh, I was going well with all the all the younger all the younger boys anyway, because uh, I was one of the first ones to kind of break through into the first team with the uh, the young lads. So I always looked after Snoddy. I get Snoddy and Dones are running at the training. But I used to, I'd be training with the first team, so I would go in early at nine o'clock and I would train with the youth team just because I used to bring them in and then I would I would go and train with the first team. And that's how I get really, really pally with Snoddy and let's see, we're best pals to this day. Were you kind of, I mean, everybody looks at him now and he's doing so well, he's done so well. Obviously played for Scotland but it's quite easy to forget that there was a time when his career was at a crossroads when he went on loan to Sterling Albion and, you know, some players might have gone the other way to, to the way he's gone. With you being such good mates, I presume, you know, you, you had a lot of heart-to-hearts with him back then to make sure he didn't waste the talent he'd got? Well, plenty of, plenty of hearts. I mean, you've probably seen it yourself, Gareth. I mean, I mean me, and, me and Snoddy were inseparable at times. I remember going to play snooker and things like that. And just, I just tried to keep him away from for doing something, for doing stupid things, and as I said, he, he lived with me for three months. He lived in lived in my house. Just I showed him how to kind of how eat eat things, and no, just I mean, he was just going to go and get a fish up. He just didn't have a clue about diet, but I tried to help him about diet and just kind of how to live your life without going going crazy and kind of passing your career away. I mean, I think, but see, like going back to that, on loan at Stirling Albion. I've never ever met a boy now as mentally strong as Snoddy. Yeah. You'll never ever meet MD as mentally tough, but it's because he's, he's he's seen what the other side of football's like. Whereas, see now when you get people who are mollycoddled and any wee bit, and you just see them going out the game or whatever. Snoddy quite easily could have done that and and rolled over, but he did he he didn't let that happen. And now he's just he's the ultimate professional. And I like to think I've I, I had a small part to play in that. Do you think he was that talented, though, that it would never have been allowed to go that way? Do you know what I mean? Do you think somebody would have always have got him, or no? We did, I, did it know did it not really shine through at that that kind of age? I, I seen it. I seen it myself. I seen it myself. He was at the door. Davy Hay and with Tony loved him. Tony wouldn't have let it happen, right? But there was a meeting, and it was a case. All right, he's out. He's out. He's out. There was all the coaches were there saying, nah, he needs to go, he needs to go, he needs to go. But David Hay listened to Tony. Tony was the head of the youth at the time. And Tony says, nah, you can't let that boy. So all the other coaches says, nah, get him out, get him out. 
and Davy was strong enough to go, nah, Tony's a UK, the youth. Tony's told me he's not gone, so he's not gone. But if it was up to oh. other, other coaches, he'd been gone. And was that based on ability or his attitude or both? There's, there's a terrible misconception about this snoddy's attitude. See, if you'd listened to every story, you would have thought he was murdering people at the weekend or getting pissed or whatever. That wasn't the case. Snoddy was just a young boy and he he was getting... I was thinking of mega money, but he was probably getting a lot more money than people about where he lived. And he just, like I said, he just, he just didn't know how to be, how to be oppressed. He was a young lad. We know nobody kind of guide him. That's how I kind of try to to help guide him. I says, right, come on, love him. Just come live, live with me. He says, I've got a spare room. You can live, live with me. And my my missus will cook you dinners. We'll we'll go yeah, go and play snooker and after training. We'll do whatever and. I said it wasn't a bad attitude. He would turn up late and things like that. And if I was giving him a lift, he would he wouldn't turn up for a lift. But just it was lateness. It wasn't a badness. It wasn't going like that. Nah, stuff your training. I'm not coming today. I'm going out or things like. That. I mean, used to hear stories. Ah, Snoddy was out pushed on a Thursday night before Saturday games. That was that was just made up. But yeah. it sounds better, doesn't it? it sounds it sounds a better no, story. Better story. If that was the case. No. Uh, and I guess the but the, the kind of true mark of him is. Despite all what he's achieved, he's, he's still that same guy, isn't he? He's exactly he's exactly the same boy. I mean, like I said he's ultimate professional and things like that. But like for a guy who you can just sit and talk for, a, I mean, I, I speak to him every day. Uh, but you can just sit and talk and just the two years. Although he mentioned football, we'll just sit and have a laugh and talk about everyday things. He's I see he's just the same boy, and he would he will always be like that. That's enough about Snoddy. Back back to you. I mean, you you, you mentioned the uh, the League Cup win in two thousand and four. You you came on as a, a substitute towards the end in that final. But uh, what what kind of day was that? I mean, I think remembering back, you know, everybody I think had pretty much accepted Hibs were going to win, didn't they? I mean, you you boys weren't really getting a mention. You were expected to turn up and probably roll over, but uh, obviously it didn't work out like that. So how much how much does that day mean to you when you look back? Now in the things you've achieved, having hung up your boots. I mean, it's it's incredible to think. I mean, see, at the time, I didn't. I, a lot of people say that at the time you don't appreciate it when you're younger, because you probably think, ah, well, we're going to have made of these days. I got it at 20 year old, so you're thinking, ah, well, if I'm getting it at 20 year old, then this must come about every few years, and I'll be winning cups like that all the time. Whereas it doesn't. Uh, but what a day! I mean, that Hibs team. You look back and you seen them. They knocked out both the old firm. But we'd also come through administration and things like that, so we'd come through a, a tough, tough time. But I always remember I used to I used to share a room with Alan Main and uh, the night before I said to Alan Main, I says Al just said to me, he's like, Scott be drink, yeah, we're gonna win the morning and I was like, I don't know, I was like just so laid back about it. I said, What do you think, Alzo? He's like, We'll never have a better chance. He says so and then I just kinda of thought, ah, he's probably right. I mean, you're playing Hibs, you're not playing a Celtic Rangers where you think could be beat before the a ball's even kicked. So I think that was our kind of attitude. It was like you're not going to get a better chance. And said what happened happened, and we we won the cup. You still got your suit? I don't know actually. I don't. I'd, do you know what? I think. I oh, think we have the cover. Come put it on. <laughs> do you know what? I actually think we wore tracksuits. I don't think we wore we wore uh, a suit. I, actually, I think I think we're tracksuits. There you go, eh? 
dad's got it, but I've not seen that medal in I don't know how many years. My dad, I mean, I've won three medals. My dad's got them on, so I hope he's got them anyway. I hope he's no. He's no uh, gambled him at the golf or something like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Uses him as a marker. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you mentioned the administration there as well. Like, I mean, doing winning that cup on the back of all that adversity and, and, and I guess all that negative emotion that had been around the club, seeing boys leaving with all their belongings in bin bags, you know, it was, it was a total kind of polarised experience, I suppose. That was that was a crazy experience. I mean, especially because we had we go back to having foreigners. This wasn't the guys you were going to come across again. This was guys who were going back to their home in Spain. I mean, there's guys who left the administration. Talk about Francisco Aquino, who was a top top player and somebody I looked up to. I never I've not seen him since that day. Do you know what I mean? It was a case of he was off and I never seen him again. I said maybe go through turmoil and. There's boys you come across and you'll see them again. I mean, there's guys I've never, ever, I've never, I've never seen them. Spoke to them on Facebook and things like that, but I've never actually seen them since the day they left the club. So that was really, really tough, and it was tough for guys like we, Dave, who they came out here with these guys and kind of lived in each other's pockets. We're seeing really, really close families and that. So I mean, to me, Dave was really, really cut up that day, like totally in tears. Can you believe it? You would think a lot of other Scottish teams would have snapped them up because he's done so well, didn't you? For them just to kind of let them walk out the country type thing. Uh, I think I think what I think what it was, Paul was uh, they were on right good they were on good money, right? And we didn't really know the ins and outs of administration, so we they weren't sure if we could sign for another team right away because it might have affected getting money they were owed in the long run, things like that. So it was it was just a case of like, oh, well, we'll just go back and, and play in Spain. We kind of do with the on. <laughs> anyway, I think, I think, I, I think. I, I can imagine like, you snodding the change room. It must have been guessing what they were on. <laughs> aye, but I, I think you were talking maybe two, two, three grand a week. These guys were on at the time. Aye. Half, half of what you were on then. Ah, exactly. They, I didn't. I didn't. It didn't affect me. You know what I mean, I'll still get my. I'll still get my ten grand a week. <laughs> what were the uh, What were the celebrations like after that cup win? Uh, good night that night. Ah, it was for what I remember anyway. I, <laughs> I always remember it was me and uh, it was me and Big James McPay. James McPay never he never played. But he was in the, he was in the squad. I don't think he made the bench. Big Jazz and there was a party back at uh, there was a party back at stadium and it was it was free drinks so everybody was just in full it and we went an open top bus tour and all that and I always remember we took a took a big black bin bag and it was like free baby and we're like they're just wailing up so we're flinging this big massive bin bag and we're hurling with our shoulders like Santa and walk, walking out back to go back to I think we went back to big James's um, uh, I think it was his, his, his dad's house at the time before we went into, into Glasgow but uh, it was it was an unbe- unbelievable, unbelievable time. You said a nightclub there at one time as well. Was there no nightclub in the stadium? That's right. Living night spot was in the, was in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Must have been a regular haunt for the boys. I would have been in there quite, we went in there quite a few times, aye. Uh, but I think I was kind of frowned upon, but it was 
bit too close to home, not mean. And they, <laughs> and they stayed him in the nightclub, so you try to do your business elsewhere, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, after that win, after that win, you know, things, I guess, took a turn for the worse at the club. There seemed to be so many managers coming in, you know, Paul Lambert came in, and just things started to slowly seep down the way, didn't they? And and eventually that was when, I mean, you eventually left then, didn't you? Was, was Lambert the manager when you left? Aye, Lambert was the manager, but I always remember when the season we won the cup and Davey was in, Davey was in charge, Leash had left to go and take a, uh, something up at uh, Dunfermline with Marcio Maximo, the Brazilian guy, and then he'd left, but then it was solely Davey. And at the end of the season, Pierce Flynn was taking over the club and Davey wasn't going to be manager. I always remember he told us after a game we played Kilmarnock and honestly... Everybody was just like, could not believe that Davey was leaving. Uh, they'd picked Alan Preston to be the manager. I mean, Alan Preston was a coach at the time, and he was a decent enough decent enough coach, but we just we couldn't believe that somebody would see him as the manager over Davey. Uh, but like I said, Pierce came in, and it was whoever had told him that Alan Preston was the the kind of the brains behind it all and I said that Alan Preston was, was a decent enough decent enough coach but Davey was Davey was the main man and I think Alan Preston would have, would have admitted that himself So was that kind of the end for you then was it Green was it Morton you went in there or were you on loan at Morton or? I went on loan at Morton that was uh, well, Alan Preston got the got the job and then he, he was sacked and Richard Goff was brought in and me and Richard Goff just didn't see eye to eye whatever for whatever reason because you were uh, fatter than him. Aye, maybe. maybe <laughs> I'd, he'd have hated, he'd have hated aye. that. Because uh, <laughs> if he was chocolate, the 80 cell man. Uh, so I probably fit on him. And I, I was a Mad Selic fan, so I, I think that worked my favour either. But I went alone to Morton and uh, I said I enjoyed my wee loan spell there. Uh, Jim McAnally was there. Uh, and I eventually, eventually signed there. Because Lambert got the job and actually brought me back. And see, because I'd went and loan and played, I was kind of in and out of the team. I'd start, started a couple uh, under Lambert, and then I'd maybe just come off the bench. And I wanted to play three o'clock on a Saturday. Any club I've ever, any any player, any time I've ever played, that's been on. I just want to play games. So I wasn't the one for wanting to sit about the bench and, and and no play on a Saturday. So I spoke to I spoke to Paul Lambert about about leaving. And at the start, he was like, nah, no way. You can't, he says, you're, you're too important in the squad. And I kind of put my point across. I wanted to play it three o'clock on a Saturday. Then I wanted to be in and out, and he couldn't guarantee me games. So we eventually, he agreed to let me go. But I think he's seen, I think he's seen that I was really, really keen to play. And he told me he was the same, that he wanted to play. Like, if he wasn't playing somewhere, he would always look to, to go and get games. He says, so eventually seen where I was coming from. Allowed me to leave, and I signed for Morton full time. How was how was he as a manager? Because obviously that was his first manager. Gig. It was Richard Goff's as well. But obviously Paul Lambert's one of these guys. It seems to he seems to get the jobs, doesn't he? He done well. He went to Wickham. Was it Wickham Wanderers? He went down. He done kind of well there. But he always seems Aye. to pick up the he, work, doesn't he? Aye. I mean, he didn't. He didn't say. He didn't set the hair on fire. Us. I mean, actually, he left after about six months. I think it was. Right. Uh, but he was a good guy. I, I mean, I really liked him. He was a he was a nice guy, and he did, his assistant Norman McWhorter, I knew Nori, 
I mean, Nori were, were nice guys. It was just a shame. It just didn't work out for them. And I don't, he didn't have the budget of, of like previous manager. So he was, he was, he was, he was just trying to do what he can and get guys who'd been let go with other clubs. It wasn't, it wasn't a Livingston that I joined where you were, he was they were dishing out good money and that. He just had to kind of to make do with what he had really. But yeah, he nothing really. I suppose he was on there, wasn't he? As a block to try and follow. I mean. All we'd ever seen was success at that club, so it wasn't going to go on forever. Uh, somebody was going to have to uh, come a crop or somewhere. I mean, let's say it was just a total. It was just up, 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 and I said even even we only finishing great in the league, we'd win the cup, or you were playing in Europe this season. Just I mean, you just things you can imagine. The new, uh, I said it was. I think it was always destined to kind of come a come a crop or somewhere. I guess in a sense, then you, I mean, you maybe left Livingston at the right time in terms of if you'd stayed, they were obviously on the way down. But when 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 you left Livingston, looking back now, was was the aim that you were going to kind of step down to to hopefully then step back up going forward? That was, that was my aim, and to be honest, I, I said looking back, I did probably leave at the right time, but I've got regrets of leaving it as well. I think I should have stuck it out. I was just yeah, I, I just had itchy feet at the time and wanted to go and. Went to go and play, but I think if I stuck it, stuck it out, I'd eventually got in and been a regular. And um, I say that's that's probably one of my main regrets is that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't stick it out. I know you said you regretted leaving Livingston when you did, but in terms of going to Morton, I know you, I know you lost the the playoff against Peterhead. That uh, I think was it the first year, but the second year then you obviously won the second division and went up. I, I mean that. That first year, we were. I think we were like. I think it was the first year actually the playoffs. That's what it was. Oh, the very right. first year, and we finished second behind Gretna. And we 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 chased Gretna quite close until like February March. And but they they had a massive squad and they eventually went and went and won the league. But we were like fifteen points clear of Partick and Peterhead. So see for weeks and weeks, we were playing for absolutely nothing. Whereas they were fighting to get into the playoffs and fighting every week. And their games meant something. Whereas we were like playing felt like friendlies for ages, you know what I mean? Because we knew we were finishing second, nobody was getting near us. So it was it was it was hard when the playoffs eventually came came round because we'd been playing meaningless, meaningless games for that long. So did you so if you when you left Lewis, you dropped how many divisions did you drop to go to Morton? I dropped two divisions. Two divisions. Was that then, was that part time then? Were you still full time No, we we're full we're full still time. Full time. full time. It was a quite a good a good young a, a good young team there and I'd went and I went loan and enjoyed the loan spell, and uh, I became really good pals with Andy McLaren at that time. Me and Andy used to travel in together, and uh, so Andy was there. Derek, Lilly, I knew Derek Lilly for Livingston. Dale was there. Uh, I said we had a good, good experience, guys like that. But we had also good, good young players coming through. And and do you think that first year missing out in the playoffs like you did gave all the boys a spur to make sure that they weren't gonna. Let it go towards a lottery like that again the next year. Aye, I mean that that the year we actually won it, Gareth, we were, I think we were top for day one all the way right through. Still an album, we were a good team at that time, and they ran as they ran as close. But we were never ever we were never off top spot at any point. So uh, that was a good season for us. That there's always, um, I think there's always a sense about Morton, isn't there? That they're kind of like a sleeping giant. That if you could get them, particularly back then when they were 
kind of marooned down the bottom two divisions in Scotland. And, you know, a lot of money was being pumped in by the Ray family. Obviously, you, you, you went up that year, but would there, there must have been, was there a little bit of a pressure around the place that, you know, this had to be the year? I think it was more pressure for, for us ourselves. I mean, the crowd were demanding anyway because you get good, you get you get a good crowd for that division. But I think we we kind of put the pressure on our, on ourselves to make sure that we're going up. I mean, with the best budget, we were on decent money, so there was a pressure on that just to make sure that we we got up and and uh, like I said we were, we're top for, for day one to the last day, and and it was good that we won the title. Did you did you notice a, a huge difference in standard when you dropped down the divisions, or was it tougher? Was it, was it tougher oh, for it was, you? To, to... It was a lot. It was it was a lot lot tougher to be honest with you. I mean, I was I mean, technically I was always a, a good player, but in the Premier League you get a lot more time in the ball than in the second division. I mean, second division was just hundred mile an hour, and it was and Everton was just hundred mile an hour. People just tried to smash you. Uh, your, you're obviously you're, you're doing I mean no, I'm nothing against the, the standard but I was obviously playing with better players guys like Lee Mako Burton O'Brien who take the ball and, but I suppose the pitches weren't as good as in the Premier League as well so I said that that wee that wee that wee bit of adjustment took its uh, took, it took time to, to get used to it because like I said you never get a second in the ball in the second division So that was a second medal picked up winning the second division and then Moved to Airdrie and got the Challenge Cup. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was that was a great day. I mean, up at McDermott Park, we beat Ross County. Uh, I scored. A, I scored a penalty in the shootout as well when we won it. So that was that was special. Collect, more, collect, um, collector's item was it? Oh, I've scored a few pens in my time, Gareth. Not I mean, mate. <laughs> uh, but uh, that was a that was a great day. I mean, we had a great. That was a great Airdrie team as well that we had. We should have done a, a lot better in the league, though we won the cup, but. Uh, I really enjoyed my time here, What players were on that side at the time? Uh, we had Simon Lynch up front, Paul De Giacomo, Steve McDougall, Joe Cardo, uh, Mark Smythe, Stephen Robertson in goals, uh, Paul Lovering. I said we had a right good team. Steve McKenna was another one that played. Uh, I said real, some really, 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 really good, good players that we had. And then what, what made you kind of head from there to air? Could you see air had something about them that, you know, there was the, they, they were kind of laying the foundations for a bit of a revival? I you could see, I mean, air was a, I remember we played there uh, a couple of years before in the playoffs and the crowd at Somerset was unbelievable. See the Somerset road end, I always remember. We played, we were two and a half at half time in the playoffs. And the Somerset Road end, they were shooting into that end, and it was like they were sucking the ball in. It was incredible the atmosphere, and just when that place gets rocking, it's something else. Um, and but Air Air's probably the place where, um, like, I was I was I was closest to all, all the players and great fan base and all that. I, I really really loved it here. Who who were you kind of uh, who were you closest to in that dressing room? I kind of got on with everything. In most restrooms, but uh, I was close with with Mark Roberts. I played um, Alan Troughton, who I played at a number number of clubs. Uh, I said I got I got I kind of got on, on with everybody. Guys like Eddie Malone, Ryan McCann as well. I played with Ryan at, at a few clubs. I think I played with Ryan at three or four clubs as well as well with Alan Troughton. 
So it was a really close knit group that that season. We we won the playoffs, and I said it was I loved playing at Somerset. It was a brilliant stadium to play at. So so why go to Peterhead? Was that was that Jim McAnally again? Was that part of the pool? Or? See, to be honest, the reason I went to Peterhead was money. I yeah. was going to say it's cash in it. <laughs> they, they offered me a, they offered me an unbelievable deal. I remember when uh, I went to Queen of South after there, and when I was leaving Queen of South, Peterhead had phoned me, and I was like, oh, "There's no chance I'm going to Peterhead." So I was, I was all just asking for a good wage and get ask for a signed on fee and ask for appearance money, ask for two year deals and just take the piss. And they ended, and they ended up giving me what I wanted. So I was like. <laughs> I, I just need to go to period then I signed a two I signed a two year deal and I don't think it even lasted six months it just wasn't for me how did it work were you training in Perth or something one night a week surely you were only up and down there we trained we, we, this was where they started Jimmy getting Glasgow boys in we actually trained in Aberdeen on a Thursday night so we were getting home at like one in the morning and training was rotten as well. It wasn't. It was, it was enjoyable the training. Day or were you still? I, still no, I was. Football. I was. I was. I was working the next day. So, I mean, you get out one in the morning, straight back up to to go and to go and do a shift. So it was it was hard, hard going. And like I said it wasn't as if it was enjoyable training. The training was rotten as well. I didn't enjoy the training. Um, Many times train- did you phone up on a Tuesday and say, "Ah, gaffer." Mahami's a bit, <laughs> a bit tight. As, as much as, as much as would I loved to have done that, I, that's no me to do that. I couldn't do that. As much as I felt to do it, I never well, ever I, done it. Ordered back for Aberdeen. I, I saw it was, I said it was brutal and it just it took its toll and I kind of blew up one day and I don't think I've spoke to Jimmy Max since either. What were you working as back then? Uh, I was a youth worker. I worked with Andy McLaren at the time. All right. So we were in at schools and, and things like that. Uh, and so we did we we did long shifts like working in schemes, giving them giving them football and getting into some of the some of the roughest schemes in, in Glasgow and just kind of being a shoulder to cry on for a lot of training was it up at, uh, aye, that up was, at Glasgow. Great project, aye, really good aye. project, aye. It was at the time, I mean, no anymore, it's been kind of right. done away with but uh, it was just a lot, a lot of changes happened, and I say when Andy fell out, it was never going to be the same. Mm-hmm. You, you said you were only at Peterhead for a, a short time, but I mean, you nearly went down as a Peterhead legend, didn't you? I know. I could have been dining out in that one for years. Uh, put us two man up against Rangers. That's right. I think it was Rangers' first game in the lower divisions. Uh, yeah, in the lower divisions. So I mean, because Rangers is a right good team in that team. The guys like Bock and Egg are playing. Uh, I think Big Broadfoot and that was still there. Uh, McCulloch. Lee McCulloch, Lee McCulloch. We did, I mean, the big the remaining boy, Brian. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was he was there. So the right uh, the right good side at the time. Uh, I said, I think Big Kev, Big Kev Kyle, hit the bar in the ninety second minute. It kind of bounced and Andy Little tapped in. Done about a free drinks of life. Not a big numpty. Free fishing trips for life. <laughs> what, what what do you remember about the day though? I mean, because it was like the circus was coming to town back then, wasn't it? By the way, that is exactly what it was. It was like a total circus. It was crazy, and it was like temporary stands everywhere, and Rangers were coming, and they were talking. I remember at the time, Gareth, it was like they're not even going to drop a point. 
will they will they concede a goal and things crazy things like that. I was like, I know they should they're going to win the league, but it's not going to be as easy as you think. They're they're going to get some wee fights because this is every team's cup final, and a lot of players hadn't played against Rangers before. I was lucky; I'd played against Rangers quite a lot, and there was a couple of other guys who were experienced. But for a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, players, that was a first first experience of any kind of crowd or expectation or things like that or be, being on the telly. So it was, as you said, it was the circus coming to town. Who was the Peterhead car share? Were you travelling up with there? We get the, we actually got a bus up. It was myself, Robbie Winters, Stephen Noble, uh, and boy Stephen Maguire, who right. played with Airdrie. Uh, who else was in the van? By boy Ross Smith, who plays at BSC. Right. Uh, Mark McCallum, who's now a forfa. So I mean, that bus. See the see actually the bus journey. That was the best. Everybody say oh, that <laughs> travelling must be murder. Turned out the bus journey was the best bit. You just have you just have a laugh in the bus, and then you've been on the bus that long, you go and go. Ah, I can't even want to play a game now. <laughs> I was getting in the way of the card school. Not I mean. <laughs> and you, you said you've not spoken to Jim since. Was was Jim just a bit kind of uh, not best happy that 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 you weren't seeing out your two year deal and you were asking for your time to be cut short? No, I kind of. He asked me my opinion or something, and I gave my opinion, and he never said anything at the time. But I read something months later that he was saying that oh, if something happened, it was at Broadwood at, at uh, the game. He was like, I saw something at Broadwood that I wasn't happy with. Was, that was a lot of rubbish. He never said anything to me, but he made it out as if he said, ah, you need to go where I was. I'm going to offer to go. Uh, I said it. He asked me, he asked my opinion things and I gave it. I did, just didn't think I was working. I never said it as politely as that, but it was after the game and tensions were high and I said my piece and I said, I don't think I've spoke to Jimmy since. But I did. I said I did a two-year deal and when I eventually signed for air, I gave them all my money. I, I didn't take a penny to leave, so I couldn't have been that bad to them, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and as you touched on there, you went back to air, quite happy to go back to air and, and um you know, carry on where you where you left off. I like I said, that was a place that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, it was a division up as well. Marco, my, my old pal was now the was now the manager. And if I thought I had disagreements as two players, the amount of disagreements I had them when he was my manager was just unbelievable. I mean it was, it was a crazy relationship we had, but there was respect there for each other, and I just wanted the best for all the players, and he made me captain. But Marco and Marco liked that that I would always back the corner for all the players, no matter no matter what it was, no matter whether I knew him or not. Look at your career, and obviously we are down the divisions. The contacts you've got in the game, the clubs you've been at. Have you never ever thought about, or you, you, you surely have thought about going in the managerial route? I know you've obviously went down the kind of agency side now. Is this never something that you ever really fancied doing? I did. I did see when I was younger. I did really fancy it, to be honest with you. But I think the more the more you get older, and the more you see how many coaches and managers are actually full of shit and lighty people constantly, mm-hmm. and I, I just, I can't, I couldn't do that. I'm too honest what you see is what you get with me and I just I just felt I just couldn't play the play the bullshit game really I mean I retired I mean last last month 
and I got offered an assistant manager's job a few weeks ago uh, to stay in the game. I don't even say who it was, but I got offered an assistant manager's job and I said no because it was for the same reason that I chucked playing. I wouldn't have been able to give it more mm-hmm. and I just felt that was unfair. And when I said that to him, he's like, Scotty, see that honesty? He says, that's exactly why I want somebody like you to come in with me. He was like, that's that's exactly why. I says, well, I says, that's, that's, he's like, please have a think about it, but I thought about it on the weekend and, and it wasn't for me. And it might be something to think about mm-hmm. later on, but for the time being, I'm, I'm happy, happy in the agent side of the game. And obviously, playing teams like Clyde and stuff like that, probably a club that you probably played most of your games or a lot of your games at Clyde. How, uh, how did you find that? Obviously, we're down the divisions. We a lot of our listeners are kind of from the, the the bottom end of the division. Yeah, we yeah. spoke about we spoke about the kind of stuff at Livingston. How how at this point are you finding football down there? Are you thinking you you're settled there and, and and enjoying it at that point? Are you Towards the end of your career? No, I, I, I didn't think so. I said I always planned to to play till I was I was forty or something. I uh, always kept myself fit, and that was the plan. When I went to Clyde, I mean, uh, Ian McCauley took over at at Ayr. I was still the captain of the club, and Barry Ferguson had got in touch, and he'd offered me a two year deal. So I think I had six months left in my my contract at. at uh, air and I spoke to Ian McCall and Ian McCall was like no chance you're not going anywhere he's like I need you here and I put my point across that listen I was getting a chance of getting some decent decent, no life changing money or anything, but decent money and a decent contract uh, and and Ian Ian let me go I mean Ian didn't, Ian didn't, didn't want me to go uh, but I felt it was an opportunity to Clyde when I said when Barry Ferguson was there and I could see the way things were going at Clyde. I thought I wanted to be, I wanted to be a part of it, and uh, it didn't quite work out at Clyde the way the way I'd have loved it to happen to get to get the Clyde uh, to get Clyde up the divisions. I'm happy to see them being promoted and, and doing well now under Danny and we Murray. So uh, it didn't work out the way the way I'd hoped at Clyde, but uh, I enjoyed working with, with with Barry and Bob. Everyone that we've had on that's kind of worked there have all said how thorough and was it, did, did they just take it to the next level in terms of training? I mean, Fergie's, Fergie's training was as good as MD's training I've ever experienced in my career. Uh, probably the best. But he was very, very demanding, Fergie. And I could handle the demands no problem but there was players there who couldn't really handle the demands they'd never had demands placed on them the way they did whereas a lot of the guys were used to it but there was some who just couldn't handle it and they found it overbearing and Fergie was on them whereas he was only trying to help them but they couldn't see it like that they thought he was the were on them and, uh, and, that, and that's the way that's the way Fergie was like I said Fergie was shouting and bawling at me it was I mean, I mean Fergie used to always say to me Scott he just gave me that thumbs up and said it makes me fucking even madder so I don't even want to say anything to you anymore because he was through saying I was just give me a wee thumbs up <laughs> just, give me, just give me a thumbs up and you see him just fuming whereas other people would let that affect them like maybe Fergie was shouting on it was like maybe next time they get the ball they were terrified in case they gave it away uh, I said that's the, that's the way Barry is he'll not change his, his demands if the, the standards he's got is is really high and he just tries to drag everybody up to his level. But do you think that there's an element of that as well that 
he's come from a high level. He's been at Rangers and then down at Blackburn and stuff like that. Where sometimes if you've not played and or you've not not even so much played, if you've not trained just twice a week, then there has to be this guys coming in for the work. There has to be that balance. Do you think? And that's why I maybe touched on with you about it. You you would get that if you've played the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And but you also know you've come home at one o'clock in the morning for Peterhead. Yep. There has to be that balance, doesn't there? Oh, definitely. Like when I mean, I always remember the first time I went when I first went part time, and I couldn't believe like it wasn't it wasn't on but to me it was unprofessional. Like boys turn up late and all that. I was like, what is going on here? Or boy, he's not turning up. Ah, he's not going to make it train tonight. I was like, what do you mean he's not making training? I said he's working. He needs to come and train. Oh no, he's got he's working. He's got a job on. But as you get as you get on with part time and you get used to it, you realise that's that's just the way way things Life. work. Their, their jobs are priority, and football's like a secondary income. It's no the be all and end all to them. Uh, so understand we're what with Fergie. Like Fergus came from top top clubs where it was done right, and he just wanted to move that in a, a club like Clyde. And but no other day, no other day, no other day had the same attitude. Kind of leading into that and linked into that, you know, you talked about when you left Livingston that it was you know all being well a step down to step back up. How did you deal with the realization at some stage that? You know, football, a football career, a full-time football career, you know, was not going to be the 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 way you were going to go until you you chose to hang up your boots at that, that level. Was that tough to deal with, or, or were you kind of fairly realistic about it? You know, having these other jobs like your your youth working, your your PT, and, and now your agency work. I think as I got as you as you got older, you 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 don't think about it as much. But when you're when I was younger, like I said, when I left Livingston, I thought. I'm stepping down to come back up. I mean, don't get me wrong, we come back up to uh, to the championship with Morton. But what 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 happened to me was I was always a box to box midfielder, and I went to Morton and I was pigeon-toed as a holding midfielder, and that was that was in my game. I had so much energy. I was trying to bust. I always bust on beyond my strikers. So my game kind of changed. It wasn't until I went to Airdrie that I got that back again. That Kenny Black gave me the freedom to go and just go and express myself. And don't get me wrong, I had, I had a few offers to could go down south eh, all through the years, and it just it just never kind of materialised. And I probably probably underachieved my career to be honest with you. Like for the level, I probably should have played that. I mean, everybody everybody always says that to me, but I mastered a, a decent amount of a game somewhere. So I mean, doing doing something right. Do you think though you went from Livingston, where you talk, we're talking the players you're talking about, the, the some of the foreign lads. I mean, they were they were terrific players, and the ball's probably getting down. You guys like Burton O'Brien beside you, you could play in. When you go down to Morton, or there must have been times where you have, you might be box to box, but that ball's in the air and it's it's, it's missing you out and second ball flick-ons for the striker and stuff like that. You must be uh, thinking that can't help your career either, can it? No, actually, when, you're, when, you're, when you're stepping back. Uh, like I played, like I said, I played the holding row, and if you played holding row at Livingston, Everton would go through you. See, like Lee Maker would play, Aye. Stuart Lovell would play, Everton would go through him, whereas it wasn't the case. We'd kind of go more back to back to front, and so you were just waiting. Like, why is it no? Why am I not getting the ball now? But it was just that was just that was just the style of play. And but Morton, we I mean, we had some really really good players, guys like 
I said Andy McLaren, Derek Lilly, Chris Miller, uh, some really, really good talented players. Peter Weatherson was another one, mm. Stuart Grecian, Ryan Harden. But these guys, Stuart Grecian was the most honest defender. Wasn't he the, wasn't the greatest football player? Is that neighbour of mine? Aye, but see, but see, with Big Grish, but the thing I'll give Big Grish, he wanted to play football. Big Grish was happy to go money feathers, but see if I was to drop in, Grish would just go that off. Just do take it, but she's she's went on and was a bit of panic, and we maybe lost a couple of games. It was nah, just get it up, get it back to front, get it back to front, just turn them, just turn them. And it was like we were not having a midfield, we were just everybody just bombing on and mm-hmm. and play off second balls and that, and and that wasn't wasn't what it was used to. And just, uh, I mean, from Clyde, you went on to Albion Rovers and then Edu Sport and then and then finished up at Stenny. Were those kind of, uh, those final few years, kind of, how, how do you look back on those? And, and, and as each year went by, getting closer and closer to this year, did the kind of thought process start to turn towards the future and when you might hang the boots up? Honestly, I never ever, I never ever, I never ever thought about retiring at all until, honestly, until... I got I got the job as the consultant for SMI. That was when it started to kind of thought, oh I'm right, this this is going to be this is going to be the future. But before that, I say when I went to Albion Rovers, actually when I left Clyde, uh, my last season at, my last season at Clyde, I was I was a shadow of the player I was. I was I was pish actually the last my last <laughs> my last year at Clyde. Why was that? Uh, I don't know. I just. I just we played, played the game. Sorry. Were you just kind of a bit weary of the game and the routines, and it was getting a bit. Too ah, I, th- I think it was just. I think it was just getting like that again. We were just going kind of back to front. We'd get injuries at the start of the season. Dylan Easton to get injured. Uh, we boy Jordan Lloyd to get injured. I mean, the first few games we started unbelievable. We're passing the ball about brilliant, and then Dylan Easton done his knee. Jordan Lloyd done his knee. And rather than just go, right, we'll just put somebody else in that position, we'll keep playing the same way. We just kinda went a totally different route and we kinda went more direct. We tip maybe David Gormley hit 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 Gorms and I was kid on Gorms and he hit up to Gorms, it was like he had a cricket bat hitting the ball back to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we I said so I just didn't didn't enjoy the way we eventually played and uh I said, I'm not blaming that. It was my own fault. I didn't have, I did the, I didn't have a good season, and I was actually see at that time. That's the first time I thought I've not enjoyed this season. Maybe it's time just to, to do something else on a Saturday. And I had a few offers, and I thought, nah, nah, and I knocked knocked a few of them back. And then Brian Kerr, Brian Kerr needed a player one day. I played with uh, Brian Kerr. Uh, let me say he came on loan. And he's like, could you come and play in this game for me, Scotty? He says, and I'd played left, see, all through my career, I'd played loads of different positions. He's like, I'm in the right back for, for Saturday. Can you play right back? I'm like, I'll play anywhere you want. And I says to him, I says, Kerzo, I says, don't see this as a trial. Don't see this as I'm looking for a contract. I'll just come and play the game for you. And he's like, oh, thanks very much. That's, that's cool. And played the game, just so relaxing. And I actually went into it thinking, if I don't enjoy this game today, it's game over and I'm just chucking it I'm not playing enjoyed the game played well and Kelsey pulled me after the game he's like Scotty what are you doing next year he's like you're still you're still fit as fuck you're still doing a job would you would you be interested in coming I says aye but let's talk about it a couple of weeks time I says just I'll come in come in train me 
and I think I maybe trained one session in either contract just waiting for me he's like Scott I just want you in, in the door I want you in here I think I only signed six months at a time and eventually stayed for the full full season but uh, playing at Clifton Cliff, wasn't the greatest part in the world but we'd some culture right, shock aye but, but we'd some unbelievable players guys like Graham Holmes Alan Troughton uh, who who were, were top top players and I actually enjoyed playing in that I mean we played in that horrific pitch but some of the football we would try and play in that pitch was 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 brilliant. We we, we we battled teams away from home because we had good park and it suffered when we went back to our own we went back to our own ground which was a mud heap and we tried to play the same way and we couldn't but we had the players there. That was the only way we could play. So we couldn't mix it up and we we tried something else. Just, teams were just coming and just playing for second balls and things like that and we would try and play it and it wasn't working and it ended up affecting their affected their away form as well and we ended up getting relegated and then then he went on to Edu Sport we had we had Chris Ewing on a few weeks back talking about the whole kind of concept of that club how did you find that and, and again I guess it was a step down again for you wasn't it in terms of the league yeah. you were playing in I, it, was a, it was a step down but it was quite an exciting step down just because it was something different uh, Ryan McCann like I said was there and Ryan McCann's another one of my best pals. So, Kanzo always kind of, he was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Come to this team. And I was like, nah, don't, just leave it in the new, I'm no balling, just, you go about. And Ricky Waddle was a manager, I played with Ricky at Airdrie. So I met Ricky quite a lot of times and he was telling me about what they were doing. And I couldn't really work out really what was happening. I just heard <laughs> French guys and things like that. And I was like, all right, mate. I was like, I don't really know what's happening here, but he was like, no, we're going to go with more Scottish boys. And Matty was, Matty's my pal. And he's like, I'll get Matty, could you, could you get Matty in? And I, I knew Matty, I, and I, Matty Flynn was good. Matty was obviously having a, a bad time at three injury, and I knew Matty, what Matty needed was to come and play. So I spoke to Matty, I was like, Matty, I'm going to go to this Edu sport team. Will you come? And I says, listen, you'll come and play. This is where you're going to play. You're going to play in this position. You're going to, and I convinced Matty so Ryan McCann was there so I was going anyway but what made it a lot easier for me was Matty was another one of my best pals I convinced Matty to come with so I thought I'm going to enjoy this season as well and Matty get turned into the the striker that he is now <laughs> who'd have thought I know I know Matty was always see Matty like I said Matty was at Clyde and he had a terrible terrible injury right and Matty always has a piss he's like he always take, he, uh, well, I always take the piss out of Matty. I says, Matty, see, I was at Clyde. I says, I was just thinking you were pish. Like, <laughs> so that must have been some injury he had. Because when he actually played to him, I mean, he's a really, really good player. To go and bounce, go and bounce the ball off him. Like I said, like the way I used to do Matt Roberts. Matty was the same. We'd come and, come and play with you one twos with you. Just playing me well. I said, playing, I, I gave me one of my best pals, like Matty. So that was a season I enjoyed. And then Stenny to finish things off. That's it. I mean, that was it. Uh, Edu Sport, when they were changing the name and all that, Ricky had offered me a new deal. But it was like half the money I was on. And I'd kind of done well for him that year. I think I maybe scored 10, 11 goals and kind of helped settle other lads into the team and helped all the French boys that were there. And I just felt 
I didn't deserve that that wage cut I would have preferred I'd have rather go elsewhere for even less money but to be appreciated no that I wasn't getting appreciated but I just felt I was kind of taking a knock for for no reason just because that was just they'd went a different way with the budget so eventually uh, decided to go elsewhere and when you were at Edu Sport then were they playing down in Annan at the time? Aye aye playing in Annan so, but you still you've got you've got a bus down and all that so it wasn't as if you were just trekking up and doing your motor all the time it was the team bus it was really well looked after and everything was really professional I mean that's one thing I'll say about that club that has run so well Big Chris uh, take my hat off to Big Man he's top top guy and He's got big art. He's really, really ambitious at what he wants to do with it, with the club. And I said, fair play to him. Hope, hopefully, one day you see them in the leagues. We've had him on. We've had him on the show. And he, he, he fascinating character. Really enjoyed it. And uh, as you say, the ambition just pulls out and doesn't. Oh, he's a brilliant guy. I mean, he's constantly ideas. I mean, I still speak to him quite often. He'll just drop me a message, just try to bounce ideas. What, what would you think of this? What do you think of that? So. I still go on really, really well with, with Chris. Um, and I said, he's, as you said, the ambition is just ripping at the guy in it. Mm, that's that. Just to uh, finish off, Scott, you know, when, when you're preparing for a show like this, you know, you speak to people, people in the game, you know, you tell them that Scott McLaughlin's coming on, you know, what, what, what should you ask? And somebody said, ask him about the hat on his stag that now goes everywhere. <laughs> That must be for Matty. Couldn't reveal my sources, Scott, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I on my stag doing Benedon, we're walking down to we're gonna go down to one of the beach clubs and I was walking just walking down and Matty's just went in, grabbed his hat and just shoved it on my head. And uh, honestly I wore that for the rest for the rest of the, the trip in Benedon. And Paul Slane was there and we, we ripped Slaney's shirt off and we were all wearing like bandanas of his shirt. But see that that hat, I said I take that hat and every single holiday with me. So what does it look like? It's a it's a trilby. It's a wee, it's a wee <laughs> trilby hat. So I take it, I take it everywhere with me. And uh, every year I always get photos of my hat and there's a wee two or three day adventure with me and the hat are up to every holiday. <laughs> Uh, I've also been asked to um, ask about the bromance that developed at Clyde and then on to the Braves. Uh, some some passing constant comments on the pitch, and ask him, ask him about some of our nights out. Oh. Ask, him, ask him, Matty Flynn. Aye, well, <laughs> tell you what, if there's a gold medal get handed for a guy in a night out, I'll definitely get the gold medal anyway. <laughs> but, uh, aye, I mean, Matty, I, I said I love Matty. Matty's Matty's a top top guy. What Matty came through as well. Yeah. Losing, his, losing his parents and things like that I mean what a strong character that guy is uh, but I love like I said I love Matty I still speak to still speak, speak to Matty nearly every day FaceTimes with me at stupid o'clock just want to talk some shite with me but uh, no I mean a brilliant teammate Matty would, would do it for MD uh, and I said that Clyde wasn't the best that I'd seen but when he eventually we came to came to Eddie I seen what what, what a top player he was and a really top guy in a night out as well. well why has somebody described you as a ruthless little man in the dressing room? <laughs> That's Matty as well. <laughs> He's Matty just changing you of him. 
<laughs> I just, like I said, I just, I like to be loud. I'm always loud in the dressing room, and uh, a lot of people say I've got ADHD because whatever comes into my head, it just comes out of my mouth. It's like people are like, how have you just said that? I just like to wind people up, but some people say I would maybe just poke, just keep poking, just keep poking, just keep poking until I get that reaction I want. Uh, but no, I just like I just like being a character in a dressing room and have a laugh, and I'll never ever take a piss out of somebody I don't like. See if somebody's like I just don't bother them. So I just like I just like to, to have a good laugh and, and take the piss out of boys. Is, is that why you couldn't stop laughing at Matthew Flynn against the Cumbernauld Colts? Aye, well, he's had an absolute nightmare this game. Uh, in the second half, he's went to open up and play this, play this pass. He's shanked into the stand, no, nowhere near him. I was like, and I've seen, and I've seen him having one of these wee drinks at half time. I was like, my, what did you put in that drink at half time? <laughs> so he was, so he's in, he's in, he's in hyster, he's in hysterics in the park, right? So then he gets the ball, beats two men, and passes me the ball. And he's like, right. So I'm running with the ball, and he's shouting to me, Scotty, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. I'm dribbling with the ball, I put a shoot. I can't shoot because I'm pissing myself laughing. So I was like, ah, so I've had a shot. I was like, my. It's like, I couldn't have had a shot for laughing, you. He's like, I'm back, I'm back. And he, he used to say this all the time. He used to say this to, to uh, when he passed me the ball during the game. He used to say, Scotty, me and you against the world today. Me and you against the world. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just the, the, the trilby obviously must have been in cold storage for the last few months then, because you, you've not been able to get a get a break with it. It's been it's been shouting at me from the top of the cupboard for, <laughs> for a right few months now. It's just waiting on its next adventure. Maybe maybe next time you do a marathon, you could wear it. <laughs> get the trilby on for the end. Get the get on at the finish. <laughs> Hi, I'm Craig Menzies, the Afton Athletic Captain, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. Just a reminder of the clues, we're looking for the year when Berwick Rangers won the third division. Phil O'Donnell tragically passed away playing for Motherwell. Fabio Capello was appointed England manager, and South Africa beat England in the final of the Rugby World Cup. Scott, you said 2007? Seven, yes. Paul, you went for 2008. I said eight, but I think it's later. Well, we'll go for 2008 because you'd still be wrong if you went later because Scott was right, 2007. Oh, there we go. There you go. What right. gave it away, Scott? Uh, I think it was the Philadelphia was that, no, on Boxing Day. Boxing Day 2007. Because I remember, I remember that. I mean, that was just that was just tragic. I mean, because I remember I was, sitting, I was sitting in my house at the time. I had a few of my pals over and I was at Bolton at the time and I always remember I just... Could could not believe the news, and I think the Rugby World Cup. I remember I remember that because I remember England had won it in two thousand three. So uh-huh. I just four years on, not me. Four years on it, Scott. Thanks for thanks for joining us tonight, and uh, glad to hear you're not missing the game too much from a playing point of view. And obviously, all the best with the um, the agency work and getting back into the PT, and hopefully your PBs of the running keep coming down and keep inspiring people that way but uh been good to good to catch up tonight and and, and hear your stories looking back over your career no i enjoyed it guys thanks very much thanks very much scott don't forget you can get in touch with the show with comments or suggestions for people to speak to our email address is down the divisions at gmail.com that's down the divisions at gmail.com or you can get in touch via facebook twitter or instagram 
Do leave a comment which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Thank you.